Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. My career was already planned in the East was it was everything was planned predictable uh, there was no freedom uh, we lived behind the Iron Curtain uh, we knew when you be a player playing in the DDR Oberliga that is uh, like the Premier League here you have a career over 10 years, you will be made. You know, will then automatically go into coaching and and uh, you have a, you're a very privileged person in the system. Then I signed a contract, uh, been, out, been loaned out, um, then drafted to Magdeburg, then been coming in three, four months into the national team and then certainly the wall fell down. So I was a very hot property at that time, uh, young and... Uh, now all opportunities was open for me uh, and that was also the challenge for me how to was in a very protected environment now it was obviously open a lot of options and possibilities and and I made a few wrong ones and uh, and that obviously the book will will clarify the way I turned the corner in the end well, I mean, uh, one of the one of the biggest moves for you was obviously a move to England and and going to yeah. Manchester City. Um, how how did you kind of feel about about moving to England at that time? Because I, w- I mean, I, I read in the book it was something that you wanted to do. Yeah, I always wanted to do. Um, uh, in that sports school where I stayed and lived, uh, we always listened in the evening when we had to go to bed and the light was out. Uh, we, we we was listening under the bedsheet uh, about English English supporters songs. You know, we had. Uh, a tape it was mostly from Enfield, and there was a lot of songs on it, and it was fascinating stuff. And uh, also uh, throughout the European games in the East, uh, we got a, a feeling of the English football culture, uh, the culture in the stadium, the singing and the terraces, and I was always excited about that. And then all options was open for me. I struggled on the way. I was uh, injured for half a year with Dynamo Dresden and. Um, then this opportunity came around to go over and show myself and um, to rebuild my career and um, I came to the right time to the right place with the right people in charge and uh, the rest is history now one of the one of the biggest influences on your career at city was was probably the manager that signed you in uh, in Brian Horton yes what was your relationship like with him Brian um, he was the manager at the time. Um, I couldn't communicate much um, because my English was non non-existent, um, and I'm driven very much on communication. So it was very difficult for me to communicate. But um, the teammates I had around me, all credit to them. They took a lot of effort to integrate me, and sometimes I felt it was very difficult to integrate a person who, who can't speak. So, um, but they were, uh, they put a lot of effort in. Uh, the manager put also a lot of effort in to show me on the tactic board and try to communicate. And and um, over time, 
I picked up quite quick. Maybe not the most sophisticated English, but uh, around Mossite, so <laughs> Mossite, Mossite English. And no, I think um, obviously helped when Paul Walsh, Peter Beagre, I and Stefan Karl came in. The results improved and the players around me made it easy for me to settle and um, the relationship with the manager went from strength to strength. Um, I also said the big part was also Francis Lee, uh, just appointed as a new chairman. I, f I think I was his first signing. And um, uh, his son Gary, who is now one of my best friends in England, um, really, really looked after me and helped me in the in the first part and um, I think that all there was a lot of people who helped me on the road to settle very quick for the, in this football club One of the names you mentioned there is one of the signings in Paul Walsh was somebody that you cre you created a, a great partnership with for City what what what, what makes a good strike partnership? Um, I believe very much on working on a training ground and working with players and uh, and um, and uh, try to uh, build relation between the strikers and the wingers and the midfielders and uh, but with Paul it was totally opposite with Paul it was just to put two strangers on the field and after two or three games they certainly try to function and we have never really trained on uh, there was chemistry f more or less from the first moment we needed some time to adapt but uh, we was just in our way of play different and we accomplished each other very well and normally when you have a strike partnership it's always one who suffer one who's working very hard and now one who put the ball in the net but in our case both of us uh, we got the credit in terms of goals Paul had one of his best years uh, I think he scored 16, 17, 18 goals and uh, I scored in the following year 23 so we both got the rewards for the hard work we was putting in and, and I felt we we really um, like to play with each other and we really appreciated each other very much. And with, with Peter Beagree and Nicky Summerby on the wings, yes. do you feel that was, that was kind of like the, the best system for you as an individual? I always, uh, main road was a big pitch. I felt uh, the movement Paul and I had up front, there was a lot of gaps. Uh, we, ex we exploited them and um, obviously that gave also the wingers a lot of play, uh, space to, to do their trickery, especially Peter Beagree, who was an excellent dribbler could cross from the inside, from the outside, very accurate with both feet. Uh, Nicky Summerby uh, was a, a more a direct one who shifted the ball quickly like David Beckham and bent it around the defender. And uh, and, and don't forget, we, Niall Quinn, after his absence with the injury, Niall Quinn came in and at, at, at some point we played with three strikers up front, totally uh, offensive football. And, uh, and I think we had so many different options to attack, a lot of energy in the centre midfield with... Uh, Stevie Lomas and uh, Gary Flitcroft, uh, Fitzroy Simpson. So the, there was a lot of positive uh, offensive football at the time and uh, a lot of so our supporters still remember uh, that period because of the amount of goals and the fluent attacking football we played. What was it like being a German in English football uh, when there, there hadn't been too many <laughs> Germans in English football up to that point? No, um, um, actually I was quite proud that um, I was the first German who, who who made a mark in the Premier League or in the highest division for for, for decades. I've, I also felt I was the door opener for for players like uh, Frontek, Immel, uh, Gaudinho, Hamann, Riedler. Uh, so there was 
there was a lot of Germans followed after uh, after I came here, and that um, made me a little bit proud. Um, but a lot of people went back again, and and I'm still here. Obviously, one of the one of the hardest times I think for you at City was. Um, Towards the end of the season, when results weren't really going too well, and uh, and Brian Horton announced that he was that he would be leaving at the end of the year, has with him being the manager that signed you, how how did that kind of affect your your time at City? I think I think affected affected the club in terms of the, the following year we went we went relegated. Um, um, I felt um, at the time you always will have in the squad players who were very attached. With the manager, and we have players who, who maybe not play as much as they think they should, and uh, and they are happy for a change because that opened up doors again. So at that time, I felt when Brian announced it, um, it was after the Blackburn game. Um, I felt uh, the general mood of the group was was very very low. Uh, it was a lot of players he signed at the time, and the, uh, we felt. Uh, we were just two or three players short in certain positions to to maybe have a chance to finish top ten. So, on another side, we also understood that as football and and uh, the board or the chairman make decisions. We players we have to respect. But the general mood from the group and also for myself, uh, I was very low after Brian announced that after the game. And of course, with the new manager in, in Alan Ball coming in, everything that that was kind of geared towards helping you and Paul Walsh was was just was dismantled bit by bit. I mean, Paul Walsh was sold first. No, off. I think that was not about uh, was not about uh, um, me or Paul Walsh or Nan Quinn. It was in general that you can compare the amount of goals we scored the one and a half years before and the amount of goals we scored in the season when we got relegated. Uh, there was a drastic change, and uh, but I, st- I still had the same percentage in terms of goals uh, I scored from the amount of goals we as a, as a team scored. So obviously that you could see out of that there was a, uh, a less a less less surface, less creative chances from the whole team. Um, still finished top scorer the following two years after that, uh, but for the team. Uh, this team was made up for attacking football, and um, the manager changed it. And um, the, the difficulties started because the, the players got a little bit lost on the way. Didn't know which system we played. Didn't know the, the rules, specific rules on the pitch. And uh, we still had the chance to, to survive till the last day of the season. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. And uh, that relegation was the lowest point in my playing career. One of one of the goals of your city career was scored in that in that season. I think you already know which one it's going to be. The FA Cup at Old Trafford. I mean, just do you still remember that to this day? Can you still remember exactly the goal? Yeah, I remember it. Um, uh, I think I played alone up front, and Georgie Kinklatsu right behind me. And um, I think I just started to understand Georgie's way of playing better and better. And um, he was a master in in terms of releasing the ball, in terms of playing people in in central positions, and uh, that is exactly what he did. He dropped his shoulder, he turned the man, and then he played a blind pass who I was I was running into. And um, being in front of, of of Schmeichel, who was a a mountain of a man, uh, he came running out of his goal, and and I don't think he expected to that I chip him. And um, I made my mind up very early. 
and and I did, and he still connected slightly with the ball, but the ball went in the goal. And the amazing thing was, it was a cup game, FA Cup game. Uh, we got uh, far more tickets than we no- you usually get at Old Trafford, and behind the goal, there was just blue, just City fans, and that was an amazing feeling to score a goal like this at Old Trafford in front of a whole wall of of City supporters. Obviously, that game didn't go quite to plan. Part of it was uh, was a penalty. Do you remember what the uh, what the penalty was for? Uh, no, not really. Nobody really remembered that one because uh, uh, we can put it in mild words. It was a dodgy one. Now, when it came to the the Manchester derby later in the season, and uh, there'd been there'd been a few reports in the press that that um, the new signing Mikhail Kavashvili would would start ahead of you in that game. Just explain kind of what happened between you and Alan Ball at, the, at that time. Obviously, it was a um, the communication between me and the manager was not at the best at the time, but we still, I still took the effort, and also the manager took the effort. We we tried to to make the best out of the situation, and uh, uh, obviously the information was feeded into me was different than the outcome later on, and uh, but. The, the book perfectly explained the situation, also perfectly explained my regrets I have till today. Uh, unfortunately, Alan is not anymore with us, and when I would have seen him, I would have apologised uh, because I'd be now a manager, and I don't like, I don't would appreciate players doing that to me. Uh, doesn't matter how it came to the to the circumstances. So um, it's a lot about how the situation. Uh, was created, but also a lot about regrets and uh, apologies. I mean, it's it's a funny thing that uh, a lot of a lot of ex City players that I've interviewed kind of still have an affinity with the club, even having left and played elsewhere. How I mean, how often did you did you kind of keep an eye on City's results while you, after you'd moved? It was was a little bit difficult to to keep a close relationship when I wasn't uh, when I lived in Norway when I worked in Norway. Um, still came over each year. Uh, since we uh, moved back to Manchester in 2010, especially the first months when I didn't didn't work, uh, I saw every home game. Uh, uh, I went to training session. I even worked in academy for five months. Um, the work I really enjoyed, and um, I, I always kept kept very close to the club to certain people. Who still are there for my time? For example, Bernard Harford, who I always call Mister Mister Manchester City, and um, I think the bond I always had got even stronger when I was sick, you know. And um, and I will never forget that. And it's a fantastic feeling. I always feel welcome in the club. Now you mentioned your your illness there in the book. You're very very open and honest about about what happened to you. Um, one one bit absolutely stood out to me was when um, you you were told that you might not make it past Easter if you went home to Germany for for treatment. Yeah. How how shocking was that for you at the time? How did you how do you kind of deal with that? Well, obviously, I was in shock. I was in shock that a person who all his life more or less trained and and prepared himself for matches and very much focused on his body, on his fitness, on his. Um, on this machine to function, and then certainly from one day to another, people telling you maybe not even make it over the weekend. So uh, I was in shock. I didn't really got the message that deep. I was just in shock that a uh, cancer and the word cancer at that point was very much 
in my head with death. So I was in shock. Um, needed a needed a couple of weeks to come over that, and um, obviously the start of the chemotherapy very early was showing promise in science, and then the prediction of recovery got got drastically better. And there was a there was a moment that I think will make any city fan smile uh, in the book, and that was uh, a phone call from a from a friend in England. Yeah, uh, just had another uh, chemotherapy injections and um, didn't feel very well and I got a phone call Saturday afternoon and um, and I didn't hear and I didn't understood anything and then listen 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 mate and then I was I heard over the phone and the whole stadium was singing my name and and I was a fantastic inspiration that was the first time I smiled for a while and uh, when you've been in a situation where I was you need that sort of uh, that sort of situations where you can really push you up and give you another another 10 20% to fight the cancer